You are on Max's Island, a podcast by Meet Max Power. On Max's Island podcast, you'll hear the lived experiences of people who choose to live life a little differently. It might be a story of when they took time out and dared to do something crazy. Perhaps they made a decision to leave it all behind and follow their dreams. Or maybe they just stopped listening to what other people thought and did what was right for them. This experience becomes a story that is part of them and one that you need to hear. So, now that you're on Max's Island, listen to the wisdom in these stories and you too will be inspired to do what you have always wanted to do. On Max's Island today, I've got Alastair McKenzie as my guest. Welcome to Max's Island, Alastair. It's great to be here, Max. Thanks for having me on. Alastair, are you aware of the format? On Max's Island, we like to hear those stories of that time when you did something different in your life, you made a decision, or something happened to you that was pivotal to you going down a particular journey or embarking on something you didn't really think was going to happen. So the microphone's yours. What's your story? Alrighty, so I guess I, I grew up country New South Wales, so up to age of 10, it was a town of 500, and then we moved to the big smoke of 5,000. So everyone thinks when I say that, that we were on the farm, but we weren't, we were, we were in town. So um, I grew up, um, dad's builder by trade, and then mum has just worked odd jobs her whole life. So I was uh, first in family to finish high school, and then subsequently from that, I've gone on to obtain Bachelor of Business and then uh, a Master's in Business uh, as well. And was that a usual university experience, you know, for somebody who um, was the first in your family to finish high school? Yeah, I, I would say definitely not. I So basically, it was interesting that I was almost encouraged to leave school before finishing um, Year 12. So we... My brother finished year 10 and then went and did his electrical trade and then dad really wanted me to go and do a trade and probably a building trade. And I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew it wasn't that. So uh, dad was quite worried because we weren't, because there hadn't been that university experience in our family. It was, if you didn't get a trade, then you would work probably in dead end jobs almost. But I knew it wasn't for me, so I took a gap year, which ended up being five years. So I went, uh, came back uh, after living overseas and then moved to, to Perth and then went into uni as a mature age student of 22 years old, believe it or not, that was mature age. So I actually started in a sports science degree and I was, I'd, I'd done my personal training course. So I was doing some personal training, so I thought that was for me. So I went into went into the uni system with no experience and, and not knowing what was what was ahead of me really. And probably in four weeks, I 
decided that it wasn't for me, so I, I deferred. So, that, so that's really interesting that a lot of people have that obvious journey into university. So the fact that you deferred for five years, get there, and then after four weeks you're going, hmm, maybe this isn't quite what I thought it was, is really interesting. So I can understand how it's such a pivotal point in your life. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I think, you know, on the surface I was telling everyone that it wasn't for me and trying to put, put on a brave face, but... When I think back to that experience, it, I was just so overwhelmed by the experience. I'd, I hadn't really been in that study mode. Even during high school, I wasn't a studier. So to have to study and read and, and do your notes, I it was just too much. But rather than reaching out for help externally in the uni or and not having that support network around me that from a, a university perspective, definitely had a great support network, but um, family not going to uni or none of my friends, I, I simply just kind of threw in the towel to be honest so but so after that I went and tried some other odd jobs um, tried some a couple of trades just working as a tradies assistant and knew again that was that feeling that this isn't for me and uni was always calling me back so that's incredible that you would actually have that feeling because again it's not intuitive in your upbringing or necessarily in anything you'd done beforehand. So to have that calling to come back is really interesting. Yeah, and I probably put it down to, um, everyone says the cliche, you know, traveling's the best thing, but it did open my eyes to what else was out there. When you lived, when you grew up in a small town, it's a great environment, but you, you don't, you can't become what you don't see. So it's, it's a very, very narrow, not narrow-minded, but you have a, I guess, a narrow view on what's available in the world. So being going travelling and, and meeting other people from all different walks of life and having studied and, and all other careers, I knew there was so much more out there. So I made the decision. I went back the year after, so re-signed into uni and then I started doing a marketing degree. So really found that I really enjoyed marketing and then went on to finish and graduate with a Bachelor of Business with a marketing major. What was your first job out of uni? Yeah, it was interesting. So I, I, I saw a job in, which was the biggest advertising agency in Perth at the time. And I was two years into my degree. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to apply for this. I'm not going to get it. But the strategy was to get a contact, get some summer work and get some experience. So I went through the interview process and actually got offered the job. <laughs> which wasn't part of the plan. So I needed to make a decision on, do I say no to the job and then go back and finish my study? I had a year to go. Or do I accept the job and just make the study work? So I actually accepted the job and then studied after hours. So I finished my degree over, I think it was 18 months or two years after hours. So it took a little bit longer, but it allowed me to get into the workforce probably sooner than if I had have just gone through the three year uni degree. So at that time, did you think you had a career planned out, something that you were you know, pretty much going to follow a, a well-trodden path, especially coming into the advertising industry and into that agency world? There is some um, pretty traditional paths that have been trodden through there. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I, was, I was so excited. At, um, I was just excited to, to progress and, and enter the industry, which I thought I, I wanted to be in. Uh, I probably realised after a while that it wasn't the industry I wanted to be in. I, I spent a year at Market Force, the agency, 
and then I moved to Seven West Media, which I ended up actually working for about seven years, and that's where I got the majority of my experience. So part of uh, during that process, again, I, I was there was always something that was calling inside of me that I needed to do more, so I decided to go back and study uh, after hours again and, and completed my MBA or my Master of Business Administration over, it was two years, two months and 15 days, so who was counting? Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was, again, it was, you know, I guess there's this education theme, but that was incredibly pivotal, pivotal moment for me, or one of, because it gave me the confidence to go out and I started working for myself, started a small consultancy business. And so, that was in advertising consultant? Correct. It was So my background or my role at Seven West Media was establishing digital advertising technology partnerships. So how, how do we monetize websites to be able to sell to advertisers? Uh, I guess you could say it's a small market in Perth. But I was lucky to, to pick up some clients. So I was, you know, for about two years, I was working for myself in that space. I started to grow really cynical of the industry. It was not just having exposure to what happens and really the, 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 the overall driver, regardless of what happens, there, are, there is some good advertising, but the reality is all you're doing is convincing people to probably buy things or do things that they don't want to do. So it's all about taking money from advertisers to try and take money from, from people is the way I started to look at it. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was probably, I, I knew that, I had that feeling for, for a good few years, but I really just didn't know where to take it. It was, a, do I just put up with it and establish a career? Because I know I can make okay money. I don't think I'd ever be super successful purely because of that cynical attitude I started to have towards the industry. So I knew that I'd probably always just be you know, a mediocre middle manager in the industry because I didn't have that drive and I didn't have the belief in the industry to probably what you needed. So that suggests to me there's another story. There seems to be perhaps another pivotal moment where things change. Yeah, so it's, I, I guess, COVID's been a really interesting period for me personally. But I guess if we take it a few steps back, I was, uh, I guess back in 2013, I was, I was president of a local football club and I saw that there was, um, there was a, a league, a football league in the Perth metro area that catered for people with intellectual disability. But there wasn't one in the area which I was president of and that was Wembley. So I thought, well, there's one way to change that and it's up to me to start a football team. So started, made the decision to take that on and started the Wembley Integrated Football Team. So we started with five players. And, and, and uh, what age groups are they? So technically it's 16 and older. Yes. So right now our youngest is 16 and our oldest player is 51. So, but we've had 14, 15 year olds because it's a common sense approach. If someone wants to be involved in community and you know they've got the, cap the capability to be, I'm never, we'll never knock them back. So. So that was, I guess, another probably um, key decision that I made and it, it inevitably got me involved in the, in the disability services space. And it's the program, I still facilitate the program today and it's something that's provided a lot of value for me and a lot of, a lot of learning um, as well, so. Yeah, the lived experience is a really powerful thing and whether you're living with a disability or actually 
just really close to people with disability that you, you get a really good sense of that lived experience, what that means for people. And it's very difficult not to help. It's very difficult not to pitch in and not to, to do the right things. I think you, when you talked about your education and meeting people when you're overseas and seeing people with careers and what have you, and, and I think you said, you know, what you don't know, you don't see, a lot of people don't know about disability and they really don't appreciate what it is and it's, it's just people and it's people who want to do things like everybody else. Absolutely and I think that that was the big thing for me as well is I, I've, I grew up playing football, I started playing when I was five and played up till about the age of I think 25 and then I've volunteered ever since and I knew, I know how much football has given me from, from you know, living a healthy life but more importantly having building friendships and having that social outlet and that's a big driver for us at Wembley and it's, it's a lot of the feedback we get from the parents as well as having when when people with disability leave school it's a bit of a generalization but they, they can become isolated so having programs like the football allows them to continue to be in the community and to continue the building the friendships as well so so that was my first experience with people with disability and then when I was going through my MBA I wanted to get some um, board experience so I connected with a disability services not-for-profit organization and then um, I guess with the combination of my studies professional experience and then my work with the football um, I was fortunate to get a board position uh, with with that organization so I started uh, I was a board member and vice chairperson and I and ended up being chairperson uh, of that organization so during COVID, obviously it was a it was a it was a big a big time for everybody. Uh, my consult a little bit of my consultancy work had dried up when COVID hit because there was cuts. So I started doing a little bit more of a, a bit of work within the foundation around potential restructure opportunity, and then through that, um, I've I've actually now moved into the the organisation in a professional capacity. So I've I've made the pivot into disability services, which is which has been. Uh, fantastic. So you know, on top of that, I've also had this concept around you know, taking what we've been able to build with the integrated football program and, and how do we extend that outside of just the football season, but also how do we provide people an opportunity that may not want to play football or have an interest in football. So I've recently just launched uh, a, it's a social enterprise called Buddy Up. And essentially, buddy up, the main driver is inclusion through physical activity. So we're looking to build friendships and build confidence through facilitated activities. So that might be um, weekly exercise programs, which we've got one coming up starting next week. Or we've just, we had a hike last week where we just get together and go for a bit of a hike. But with every single activity, at the end of it, we always make sure there's that there's that social time. For example, on the weekend we had a hike and then we went to City Beach and we all had a coffee, sat around and we just chat, just like mates do. That's fantastic because there really is that need and as we discussed before, you know, people with disability are looking for great opportunities to connect with people, to build friendships uh, and often they're excluded because of no fault of their own and through sport or physical activity is a, is a great way of doing that. Have you 
found that some of the participants in football are looking for other things. Definitely, and that was that was where I, when I was processing this in my own mind, I, I was lucky to have connections in this in this space with with parents of people with disability and a big piece of feedback I was receiving was how good football was and how much football was missed when it wasn't on during the season. So whether it was you come and train Thursday, you come and train Saturday and, and nothing happens in between. So, And that's okay because the touch base on Thursday and Saturday is all right during footy season, but what happens after that? So that was where you know, a big part of the idea was, was developed was how do we continue doing what we do with the football, but in more of a relaxed environment so a big focus for us is we understand there is a need for one-on-one -on -one support and there, will, there always will be but our, we, we really try and focus on that informal group so you'll have facilitators you're going to need facilitators so that's that's my role when I'm involved but we just try and make it as casual as possible where it's a group of five or ten mates getting together um, so for example we're going to play mini golf in a, in a few weeks we get together, we play some golf, and then we go and have a, a, a drink and a laugh uh, on the balcony afterwards. Because why shouldn't they be able to? And is that does, that, does some of these activities fall under the NDIS? Pretty much most can. Um, and this is, if, it, if it's working towards a participant's goals, absolutely. And generally you'll find that within a participant's plan, um, social inclusion, physical activity will or, or should be involved at least. So there is, at the moment, uh, I'm not NDIS registered, so I can only, or people that are planned and self-managed can use their funding. I eventually want to get NDIS registered so we can actually um, also ap appeal to people that are, are NDIA managed as well. When you were talking about football and some of the participants, is there a story in there, there must be many stories of people that have inspired you, that have come along uh, a journey for themselves and, ha and have changed dramatically. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we see it, we see it every week and every year, which, which is great. But there is particularly one, one of our players that, that stands out. And I always think of him when, uh, well, he was a, always on my mind when I was thinking about Buddy Up was, he, he was one of our first players down back in 2014 and suffered significant anxiety amongst other disabilities. And there were times often where he would, we wouldn't see him at training and then I would get a message from his dad to say, I'm so sorry, he wouldn't get out of the car. He, he was just, there was, there was too much anxiety. And look, that's okay, it, it's going to happen. So, so pleasing to say that now he's still involved and he's so passionate so so happy to be around runs out literally runs out of his dad's car to come across always at every function and he was vice captain which was fantastic and actually it's harder to to get him to shut up now but we i i love it so much that we just let him talk because to see the growth from him um, socially and, and the growth in his confidence that's what it's all about footy's footy we, we, we've won two games in six years. It is what it is. But for us, the football's a conduit to deliver other benefits for our players. So we're very lucky. We have a great group of guys, 
really supportive families and carers and also a very supportive football club and a really, really good volunteer base as well. So, Have you seen any of your participants take it beyond sport and actually you know, look at employment and, and opportunities to get jobs? Yeah, look, it's not something that we've actively explored. We, we would, I would love to, and I guess depending on how what happens with Buddy Up, it's something that we could definitely look at from that perspective as well. But what we've seen is the, the bond and the friendships. And I was talking to one of the parents uh, a few weeks ago at our breakup, and we're talking about this exact thing. And she said, "It's phenomenal. They're all they're all on Facebook. They've got Facebook groups that they've developed. They're all." throwing banter around and just just lads being lads really and um I've, we see it in our other football teams and we're just doing the same thing so and that's how we want it to be yeah that's the way it should be too absolutely so what do you see the the future of buddy up what other opportunities do you think there might be to develop um or, or appeal to different groups or, or or other people within the disability space yeah, it's a really good question. I've been thinking about this a lot. For starters, I'm just I'm just taking it, um, I guess, baby steps. Just, just testing the concepts, testing out different activities, different different programs and structures. I do really well. I think in general, there's, there's there's a massive amount of opportunity to do a good thing in the disability space. The NDIS is is groundbreaking. It's a world first. It has challenges, but it's incredible. It's an incredible. Uh, it's an incredible scheme, which I think we we are very fortunate to have as as a country. For me, I've I've thought about how do we expand it. What what else can we do organically? It it's it's shaped around just because of the football tie-in, but it's very much you, you can see it's 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 young men. So I see there's an opportunity if we wanted to pursue it about you know building capacity in young men. So always having a healthy, physical, active approach, but what else is there you know how, how do you ensure that that transition from school into just the general adult world how do we support people to make that journey whether it's through um, helping them get a job which you referred to earlier but also just generally going out for a beer going out for dinner what does it mean how do we act because these are the type of skills that we probably take for granted that for whatever reason some people um, don't don't know or haven't had the experience there's also the situation of a person with disability often will, will most likely have different measures of their rights of passage into adulthood, different to other people in the community. You know, sometimes it might be just simply getting a driver's licence, it might be going to university, it might be, you know, buying your first flat unit, whatever it might be. And obviously through their circumstance of with their disability and, and you know, income levels and those sorts of things, that can often be a barrier to, to doing all of those things that um, a lot of people see as just a regular rite of passage. So um, it'd be interesting to hear what you think about, you know, what do you think are some of these rites of passages with people with disability that might come out of, you know, the involvement with Buddy Up and, and the football? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I think... Um, in, in general, it's it's a tough it's a tough time economically, but with or with, without a disability. So it's you know, when you, we talk about helping people get a job, it's okay if you're involved directly and you know that the skills. But when they're out amongst 
the rest of the workforce that's fighting for the same jobs. It, it's not easy. And you don't want it to be a token gesture either. There needs to be you know, legitimate value both ways. I think it's about getting a good understanding of, yeah, people have disability, but they also have a lot of strengths as well. So how do we identify those strengths and, and how do we best match those strengths up with, with job opportunities and, and with other opportunities in the community as well? Because everyone can deliver value in their own way. So it's just about how do we identify that and, and how do we match that up? Because we've, we, we've learned a lot in, at the football club as well. It's been such a, a good thing for everyone involved at the football club to have the new team, the integrated team, and they, they teach us just as much as, as we teach them. So we're in a very fortunate position. So Alistair, you've done a lot in a, you know, a relatively short space of time um, since you've come to WA. Have you got any other aspirations for the next few years, either around Buddy Up or around um, even the football club? I think for me, particularly now, still relatively new in the position in the Disability Services Organisation, there's uh, a lot of change happening both internally and then within the within the sector as well. So you know, professionally, a big goal for me is to is to assist the organisation in in making that transition. With Buddy Up, I think it's uh, I, there's still a lot of unknown. So I, we just I just want to keep doing what we're doing, making sure we're providing activities and formats that are appealing and then hopefully or the, the driver is out of buddy up is developing that friendship and the, and the confidence of our participants and and seeing seeing our participants catching up outside of outside of our programs and and really just continuing to form those those strong friendships that sounds like a fantastic goal and a, and a great opportunity for for yourself to develop personally but also to influence the lives of so many other people. So before we go, perhaps you might want to just give a little plug for, for Buddy Up and where people can, can find you and, and have a look at what you're doing. So the best place to find Buddy Up is our website. So it's www.buddyup.com.au and we're also on Facebook and Instagram as well. So. You can either sign up to a newsletter if you want to. We keep you posted on the events that we have coming up. Uh, you can follow our social platforms and we'll be promoting the events that we have coming up. Well, Alistair, thank you very much for being on Max's Island. We really value what you're doing and think that it's um, very exciting and more people like yourself getting involved in the disability space is um, just great for our community. So thanks for being on Max's Island. Thanks, Max. It was great to chat. On the way home from work, he was lost in the details of life. Each day was a blur, all work and no play. And how, how had it turned out this way? He told me his plan, a short-term escape, five weeks on the Bibbulmun track. Go it alone, no one to blame. Tonight
Every sense was engaged, his mind was as clear as the sky. Completely alone, no emails or phone, and no.